Have you ever wondered why exactly it is that things usually sound better at home than they do on stage, in auditions, or even in lessons? It's easy to chalk it up to nerves or assume that you just have to practice more or get more performance experience. And sure, those things certainly are part of the puzzle, but a lot of times that's not really the true root cause. If you've been confused by the inconsistency of your performances, I put together a free four-minute quiz called the Mental Skills Audit, which will help you pinpoint your mental strengths and weaknesses and figure out what exactly to adjust and tweak in your preparation for more consistently optimal performances. You can take the Mental Skills Audit online at bulletproofmusician.com MSA. That's MSA for Mental Skills Audit. And again, it's 100% free, and it'll take just four minutes to get your results emailed to you as a PDF. This is Noah Kageyama, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Musician Podcast. Every Sunday morning, we'll take a look at a new research-based tip or technique to help you practice more effectively or perform better under pressure. And on the first Sunday of every month, I'll have a guest from the music, sport, or research world who will share their insights on how we can all be a little more awesome in the practice room and on stage. On occasion, I'll eavesdrop on my daughter as she does her daily piano practice. I've noticed that one of her recurring practice habits is the tendency to repeat a tricky passage only as many times as it takes to get it right just once. Sometimes I'll poke my head out into the hall and ask her to try it again, to see if she really did fix the problem or just got lucky. And Sometimes she'll give it another go, but usually she just continues to play on and make her I-can't-hear-you face. Which brings up an interesting question. Namely, is it okay to move on after we've gotten a passage right just once, and maybe come back to it later? Or is it better to give each problem passage a preset number of repetitions, or a certain amount of time, and then move on when we reach that number? These questions are all related to the issue of practice scheduling which gets into the nitty-gritty of how to maximize the impact of every repetition that we do in the practice room. There's a lot of interesting research in this area, and if you need a refresher, you can read more about the differences between two particular types of practice schedules, blocked and random practice, in a guest post by clarinetist Christine Carter on the blog at bulletproofmusician.com blog. The gist is that blocked practice involves practicing a single skill a bunch of times before moving on to the next skill, like 10 repetitions of passage A, then 10 repetitions of passage B, and 10 repetitions of passage C. Random practice, on the other hand, would involve alternating between several skills a little more frequently, like 3 repetitions of passage A, then 3 repetitions of passage B, and 3 of C then A again for three repetitions, B again, and C again, and so on. The benefit of blocked practice is that you generally achieve a higher level of performance during practice. But there's a tendency for those practice gains to fade away, so you don't perform quite as well when you're tested a day or a week or a month later. With random practice, on the other hand, your gains during practice tend to be more modest. However, more of those practice gains stick, and so you generally see higher levels of performance compared to block practice when tested sometime later. 
The problem, though, with devoting a preset number of repetitions or a block of time to working on one passage is that it's not very flexible, and it doesn't take your success rate into account. Like, what if I tell my daughter to do 10 repetitions of a tricky sequence in measure 85 with the goal of playing that section at tempo without missing any notes, and then she nails it on the third try? Should she do seven more repetitions just because, or move on? Conversely, what if she gets to the 10th repetition and she still hasn't gotten it right? Should she stick with it for a while longer until she gets it correct at least one time, or move on and come back to it later? One approach to practice that has begun to get some research attention is the win-shift-lose-stay approach. This is more flexible than a traditional blocked or random schedule, because the number of repetitions you do is dependent on your performance. When you perform the skill successfully, you move on. When you don't, you try it again. Which means that on an easier skill, it might take you three repetitions to get it right. On a more difficult skill, you might need 10 or 20 or 30 repetitions. In theory, this makes a lot of sense. Because you'd be adapting your practice to the skills that need the most work, and devoting your time accordingly, instead of spending excess time and repetition on passages that don't need a lot of work. So let's see what the researchers found when they compared this approach to blocked and random practice. 36 volunteers with about a year of basketball experience were recruited to participate in this study. They were randomly assigned to one of three training groups, a blocked group, a random group, and a learner-adapted group. Everyone started out with a baseline test of 20 shots. This involved taking five shots from each of four different locations on the court, in random order. Each location was from a different distance and a different angle to the basket, which added to the difficulty of each shot. Over the next few weeks, the participants had six practice sessions where they practiced shooting from the same four locations. Everyone took the same number of practice shots over the six practice sessions, 60 per session, but the structure of their practice sessions was quite different. The blocked group, for instance, took 15 consecutive practice shots at a single location before moving on to the next spot. The random group, on the other hand, switched locations after every shot, following a predetermined random order. The learner-adapted group followed the same random order as the random group, but instead of moving to a new location after each shot, they switched locations only if they made the shot. If they missed, they stayed put and kept practicing until the shot finally went in. After their sixth and final practice session, they took another test, exactly like the first one, with five shots from each of the four locations. And to see how stable their improvements were, everyone retook the shooting test a week later. In addition, they were asked to take 10 shots from the free throw line to see if their improved shooting skills would transfer to a shot that they actually hadn't practiced. So how did they do? Well, as a whole, the participants did improve over the course of training, but there were some important differences between the groups. The learner-adapted group, for instance, performed well on the transfer test, making a higher percentage of shots from the free throw line than they did on shots in their baseline test. But their shooting percentage on the shots that they actually practiced stayed mostly unchanged from the first test to the last. 
I mean, there was a slight improvement in their average shooting percentage, but it wasn't statistically significant. The blocked group, on the other hand, not only performed significantly better on the transfer test of free throws, but improved their performance on all the other shots as well. Whereas the random group improved their shooting percentage on the primary shooting test, but not on the transfer free throw test. So what are we to make of this? Well, the study is a little tricky to interpret because the participants weren't skilled basketball players and shooting a basketball is a pretty complex skill. So it's very possible that the results would have been a little different if the study looked at more advanced players who were honing or refining already well-developed skills instead of practicing relatively new and undeveloped skills. Nevertheless, I think there are still a few key things we can take away from the findings. For one, the learner-adapted, win-shift, lose-stay approach may not be the best strategy for learning new skills. Why? Well, having to move on just as you finally perform a skill correctly may make it difficult for the little adjustments you made to really sink in. It'd be like struggling to get a shift in tune, and as soon as you do, having to move on to the next item on your to-do list instead of taking a few more repetitions to reflect on what just happened and what you might have done right. Second takeaway is that block practice might actually be more effective in the earlier stages of learning a skill. Because whether it means allotting a certain amount of time or a certain number of repetitions to a particular passage, blocked practice would give you time to get a feel for the section and get the notes into your fingers, and not be forced to move on to a different section just when you're starting to get the hang of things. Indeed, the research on overlearning suggests that there can be benefits to doing multiple repetitions past the point of achieving success. And the researchers themselves wondered if it may have been more effective to have participants move on after two consecutive successful attempts, rather than just one successful attempt. Third takeaway is that once your new skills become more reliable, block practice and practicing the same thing over and over may actually become less helpful. And perhaps this is where random practice and even the win-shift-lose-stay approach could be more helpful, when you get to the point where you no longer need as many repetitions to reach the desired level of performance. Because at that stage of learning, the goal of practice isn't so much to develop new skills, but to practice retrieving those skills on demand, and honing your ability to play a passage exactly the way you want the very first time, not the second or third time. So at the end of the day, it seems that there may not be a single one-size-fits-all best way to practice, but instead a variety of different strategies and tools that we can choose from and apply to the right problem at the right time. You can find links to this week's study and other resources like practice hacks and the audition cheat sheet at bulletproofmusician.com blog. And if you found the episode helpful, please share it with a friend or practice buddy who you think might also enjoy experimenting with this during the coming week.